Hello, this is Isaac Rautio, and this is the Spillover Podcast. I'm glad you've tuned back into another episode. Uh, this one is a very good one. And uh, before we get to the to the, the content, a word which I'm lampooning right now, which you will understand later as we as you as we progress into the episode itself. Uh, before we get into it, uh, I just want to remind all of you to uh, subscribe to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much any podcast app there is. I mean, I use. Uh, pod kicker for android and works perfectly i can easily find our episodes in, in there even though i'd be a almost like a pseudo psychopath if i enjoy actually enjoy listening to my own voice which i don't and i and i do not listen to our episodes at least and sometimes i do i mean if there's some I mean, we've had plenty of interesting guests and if there's something i want to revisit then sure i do but i can't stand this voice like my own voice but i guess that's a sign of me being sane so i'm pretty happy about that by the way if there's uh there's some disturbing background noises like pipe sounds or like water bubbling or rushing through pipes just some weird hushing sounds it's because right now i'm recording this intro in the uh Oh, ever so creepy Himalaya room here at the Hunkin Business Lab. I mean, it's like a tiny space, uh, warehousey looking space with, with, I mean, I love the fat boys are in here. I'm sitting on a fat boy right now. And as the real true millennial, I love it. But uh, at the same time, this place looks like, basically, basically, this is like the kind of place you'd hide a body in. So, uh, I don't know. But there's a picture of the, of the Himalayas here, so I guess that means this room is cozy. I don't know. I'm here. I love the fat boys from recording this. So, uh, Frederick Weibel, uh, Fred Weibel is the guest in this episode, and uh, and uh, he is a. Uh, I think he said he's not a professor, but he's a PhD and uh, and uh, teacher. And he teaches uh, management management and organization here at the Hunkin, uh School of Economics. But uh, we do we share a uh, common interest in well first of all philosophy which he also has studied in in the UK, and in the media. And when I say uh, we share an interest in media, I don't I don't I'm not I don't mean that we gossip over Ildalehti tabloids all weekend, but uh, we share an we share an interest in. Uh, I don't want to say a nostalgic feel because nostalgia is useless. But we share this. Uh, we share an uh, affinity towards the old men of letters, the high quality of journalism. The well, we share a massive dislike of the state of media today, and its mediocrity, and its fake news, and its clickbaiting, and its its trivial role in the in the societal discussion. We just don't like it at all. And he has a vision of trying to reintroduce higher standards to journalism through his project called Aristocracy Now. And uh, he's here to talk about the state of media, talk about media itself, and um, his project, Aristocracy Now. Very good episode, I think. He's a very, very intelligent man. Whenever you find a, whenever you find a person, well, especially at, like, at a business school who you can talk Nietzsche with, you, de- you definitely found a unique person. And uh, this guy is, uh, is very interesting, uh, very good talker, very good explainer, very smart. And uh, I'm sure you're gonna enjoy this episode, and uh, especially if you're uh, you share the uh, the dislike, the hatred towards the state of media today in all its uh, pettiness, triviality, mediocrity, uh, low quality, uh, lack of thought provoke provoking nissanissanity. Yeah, that's the word. Shut up. 
And uh, yeah, so without any further ado, for the eighth episode of the Spillover Podcast, please welcome Frederick Weber. crack-a-lack-a-doodling, everybody. <laughs> I love it. Nice. <laughs> no, no. Where does that even come from? Uh, never. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Because we right before we crack a lack a crack a lack a doodling. Whenever, whenever you have to start a podcast, that's always the hardest part like, yeah. by far. Because yeah. it's so artificial. Like when it, when it, when it, when the conversation starts flowing, everything's good. Yeah. The start is so strange because that's never how a conversation starts. No. So instead of just like trying to make it natural, just make it over the top awkward. Yeah. Well, doesn't like Joe Rogan just uh, start the podcast or, or he doesn't do any intro or anything. It just starts the episodes, yeah. starts, yeah. which is I guess the best way to do it. But but here I gotta say something like, hey, <laughs> that's good. Are. It's good that you 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 kind of embrace that moment. It's like if you this is the problem with Tinder and all these apps, right? Yeah. Because it's an engineer's wet dream to not have to face the music and do the. You know, the do the work. awkward thing which <laughs> yeah. everyone dreads doing, which is yeah, going yeah. up to a girl in a bar and saying hello and, yeah. and yeah. introduce yourself and do your worst. <laughs> right. And it's the same here. You have to, you know, shy guys don't get laid. <laughs> no. And Tinder's even made it worse because if you look at the ratio of people who actually match with you, that gives you, because before you didn't know if you went up to a girl in a bar. You, you had no idea of the ratio of people who would actually accept you. I don't know about you, but it's it's not fifty percent with me who match with me. Like it's not fifty percent. It's 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 not it's not it's not that bad. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that high up. So I mean, yeah. if you were a shy guy before and you joined Tinder, that's gonna ruin your uh, self conscious game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. So. Well, I yeah, I I I tried it, but I got a bit bored sort of after. Four days too easy no because <laughs> precisely because of this because if you think about it if there's one thing if you've ever been in a relationship mm. or if you ever heard a girl talking about their current relationship or their current marriage or with their girlfriends mm. or you no. what is the one thing that they're going to bring up fairly soon how you met yeah and right and you don't want to say tinder <laughs> and they want you know they want to tell the story of a warrior that went you know that went <laughs> that sort of, you know or you know a hunter that went after his yeah. prey or something like that they want to feel special right i was taking a dump and i swiped right <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's never going to go down well and people no. if they make that reference i would guess that they would you know you feel a bit sheepish mm. saying you know we met on some right. It doesn't have the same flair as well. I had he a walked into the room and you know he couldn't stop looking at me. And then he walked over and he he talked to me and I you know I fainted yeah, and he caught me in his arms. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then there was a white horse outside, which only happens in Ireland now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean I had a, I had so a it's a coward's solution this Tinder thing. Tinder, but uh, yeah, for sure. I mean if you if you use it to acquire like uh, meaningful like deep relationships, I don't think that's what it's. For 
But it's, it's so explicitly. cowardly. Isn't it cooler if you really want to hook up with a girl that oh, you yeah, just go fun. and you go and do it wherever. Right. And it's going to be fun. more exciting for you and it's going to be more exciting for everyone involved. Absolutely. And yeah. Or you're just going to be bored sitting there doing your, your yeah. thing, which I'm sure pretty, pretty much. And, and I think it, you know, it's not neutral. Yeah. It doesn't reflect reality. Right. It creates a new form. And the, the most fun yeah. thing about uh, like talking to someone is 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 how how much you, like if you just give your entire focus to this one moment, this one person, yeah, and you listen to them only what they have to say, only what they have to say. But in Tinder, you're trying to multitask all these different conversations, try to like make mental post is like this is what what, what we're here now, and you're kind of like you're kind of diverting your. Uh, attention to all these different it yeah. makes it less interesting yeah, yeah. it, it dilutes it the dilutes kind it. of right. the experience right. but I still I still get it because when people get busier and busier it's kind of it, it's still you have to invest your time if you want to go a night out and start and like think I want to pick up a girl or something it's not but if you're on tinder or some other dating app maybe, maybe not tinder is the right choice but you still have to invest a lot of time if you go outside if you're very busy it makes it a lot easier to meet people if you have an app or some other thing where you can just meet people because, right, because it, it's it, not it sounds so sterile yeah that's so yeah, mechanical it, yeah, do right. you divide up your time like that really if you relax no i'm sorry not you but i mean yeah, 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 a relaxed yeah. kind of attitude towards this it the moment will perhaps arise you yeah. certainly will uh, to all 14 years out, right. out there you, you <laughs> will you will yeah, have opportunities because yeah. <laughs> imagine right. you know what i mean imagine you're explicit about that to the girl itself like that that reveals the whole facade like if you're i'm gonna invest 30 minutes <laughs> to you right now well i've heard horror stories yeah. because mm, l- l- first of all this is an american thing that is imported into our culture which perhaps not doesn't exactly always work mm. i mean it's yeah. in they have their whole dating thing and it's yeah. not, it wasn't ever quite european Maybe not Nordic. I, I don't know. Dating? Well, not exactly in that yeah. sort of American kind I'm of... I'm too young. I don't we're, go- <laughs> <laughs> we're going on a date and right. that whole... You can have 10 different dates simultaneously. Mm. It yeah. doesn't go down well, I think, with the UK. Perhaps a bit more with the UK, but with in Sweden, in Finland, I think there is much more of a serious monogamous culture here. So it... I see that, yeah. 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 It, 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 what happens to Tinder is that it's not going to become a McDonaldization of our everyday, mm. but it becomes some sort of moment of interpretation. Right. It's localized into our culture. If you think about what happens here is that there's 500,000 people <coughs> living in Helsinki, and everyone, of course, know each other, and it's a shy culture. It's a bit reserved. Mm. It's Finnish culture. It's yeah. not the same thing as an American. It couldn't be. So there... And that means also just. But much. wouldn't that help the Finnish culture if you like take the what is Treskel? If you put the threshold, uh, threshold or down or you lower it for yes, Finnish but, people but, who but are but very I shy. I wonder if that's what's happening. I think that it also creates suspicion. Like, is this is this guy just out to do X Y Z? That's why all of these. That's why all because there's there are these. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you see like these uh, articles pop up, like how to how to pick up girls on Tinder, like how to open on Tinder. Like they're always yeah. so. They're always like if you re- actually read them, like on Vice, especially especially on Vice. Sometimes yeah. it's like what do what do the people like about Tinder? And whenever there's uh, whenever they are American, I mean obviously not always. No. But usually, even like a even like a hint of common sense would say that this is so culturally bound. This would never work. 
mm-hmm. in in Finland. Maybe rarely, but not, I w- not. I wouldn't agree at all because I I, I know people who who have who have really good relationships that I've met on Tinder. Oh so no, no, I'm not saying so that. Actually, there's a funny story. I was uh I was doing a stand-up show and I had a joke about Tinder. Yeah, it was of a horrible you have joke. A stand-up uh, comedy background, don't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it was you're still doing, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I I uh, I did it. I did a joke about yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> I did the joke about Tinder. It was a horrible joke. I just kept it out. It was an open mic yeah. gig, like somewhere. I tried out a new joke, and it was yeah. bad. And someone in the crowd asked, like, "What is Tinder?" It was back in the day, like when people back, back right. like oh, four right. years ago. Yeah. So, so so I basically just explained like Tinder in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Then two weeks later, I went to the same open mic, and uh, the person who had asked had met a girl on Tinder. And a month later, I got an invitation to their wedding. Because <laughs> I, it's basically because of my o- shitty open mic gig. <laughs> some <laughs> some man is now hopefully happy. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe it was uh, what we say in Swedish is sort of the novelty, nyhetens behag, the the moment yeah. when it arrived. Of course, I'm not saying. Anyway, maybe we should introduce you. By the way, yes, perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you should. <laughs> we should. Uh, uh, speaking of, uh, well, this is yeah. First of all, this is a professor. No, no. Okay, but uh, but it can be a claim. Claim it's it's not copyright. Self proclaimed. So let's just say professor, professor of divinity, <laughs> <laughs> because Hunter S. Thompson was called professor of divinity. And yeah, he had really? he didn't even have a PhD. Really, I think Shaquille O'Neal is called that as well. He has like an honorary doctorate or something. I, I'd be happy with Mister. Mister, yeah, Mister Fred Babu. <laughs> hey, 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 you uh, You're uh, you're uh, you gave me this long profile, but maybe it's better if you. Uh, Run down. Tell people who you are. Currently, so, I'm uh, here working as a lecturer and researcher at Hanken. I've mm-hmm. been here for nearly a year. It's my se- second stint in Finland. The last time was about ten years ago. I have kind of a dual career. I used to uh, work in various business development roles, in especially in tech. Uh, I worked for Skype. I worked uh, for Statoil. I was at IBM for a while in various business development roles. And um, I ran the business development <coughs> for a design agency called Wing Creative in London, um, and been heavily involved in startup culture, especially sort of ten years ago when the whole kind of social networking phenomena um, started becoming a possibility. Mm. Uh, even more now, it's like thirteen years ago. Uh, I started a social networking site called Lancaster at the university where I was studying in the UK called Lancaster, and. Uh, Well, we divested fairly soon after. It's a good experience. I've been involved with some Finnish entrepreneurs here in in Finland, uh, including one of my all-time kind of inspirational sources, which is Yuri Engström. He's a he's a personal friend, but he's also someone I admire okay. greatly. There are lots of interesting people here in in Finland. Uh, I've lived in the UK for over 15 years. I'm originally Swedish. I'm trained and educated at Lancaster <coughs> University, um, business uh, administration, but I also did a lot of history of thought and philosophy there. Mm. Uh, did my doctoral studies at Warwick University. Um, got my master's from Lancaster, I forgot to say that. And I I've lived in London. I've lived in Copenhagen. And I'm originally from Malmö, which is the hardcore capital of violence i think in northern europe i've lived in stockholm and done military service there um and now i'm in finland i'm excited for the first time to be able to lecture and do research in swedish first time my native tongue yeah right yeah so thank you for cv um no No, that was great uh yes welcome uh we were uh not to make this transition 
all too unnatural and, and forced, but yeah. you're here to, um, well, the way we met. Actually, you know, speaking of the way we met for yeah. the first time, actually, it was pretty interesting. We had the, it was a, f- a pretty funny thing, we had the Friday brunch here, the Hunkin Entrepreneurship I love Friday it. brunch. It was great. With Mimosa. Every Friday. Yeah. yeah. Mimosa. Yeah. On a, feel so decadent. Only in on Finland. A, right. Uh, yeah, you told me, like, in, yeah. in the UK, this would never work. Like, drinking champagne on a Friday morning at school. <laughs> Like some some health and de- health and safety department uh, inspector would come and complain about it in like 15 minutes. So what's the background? You have every Friday morning at mm-hmm. nine o'clock uh, clashing with our floorball. Yeah. Uh, f- the faculty floorball match. Right, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, uh, which, which is really a uh, clash of interest. You have a, an entrepreneurship society brunch. Right. It's kind of a bit early for brunch, really. Yeah. Uh, but you have one, and yeah. you have croissants, and you have the whole thing with, you know, <coughs> Nutella and everything. And then no. to top it all off, you have champagne. Right. Yep. Great. Yeah. And you you serve mimosas. Yep. You have sparkling wine. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't exactly have Krug. No, it's not mine. And I was, uh, well, I was delighted, really. But it is surprising because if you'd introduced that in the British University, any one of them, mm. even Oxford, mm. there would have been someone who would have kind of raised some sort of health and safety flag, uh, not on my, not under my watch, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, right. I mean, in 15 years ago, they used to drink in Copenhagen, mm. Copenhagen Business School, for example. They, you know, professors would have sherry or whiskey or beer. Yeah. And they would drink it. That's probably true for most of European institutions up until 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, but not anymore. But the fact that you have this kind of fr- frank, as a matter of factly attitude, I think there is something very refreshing about it. And it, I think, can only happen in Finland. Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. I, we never we don't think about common it that sensical. Way. It's like, like they're adults, they can yeah. drink if we they want. Drink. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, no one's puking, no one's passing out <laughs> listening to some startup lecture. Of course, it's, uh, maybe it says something about how alkalized your culture is. It is a little bit, yeah. 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 You can't like, even joke about let's it. Maybe pour, let's pour some vitamins no. in here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you, so we had this one, um, it was the middle of a lecture. Yeah. The, the, we, had, cause we have these speakers here every week. So it was the middle of, of the speaker. Uh, the whole hall is quiet. Like for a little bit of context, just to frame the, frame the mental picture a little bit. The business lab we're, we're in right now, it's like a deformed T almost, mm. the, the shape of the room. You have so thought about this, haven't you? Yes, it is. It is a little bit. Which is suitable because we yeah. had Easter just recently. Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a comfortable position to sleep in, the Jesus position. Oh, tea. that's true. T, T. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but uh, so we had so in the in the one one uh, what'd you call it one uh, one 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 of the horizontal lines of the T there was a, there was a lecture going on. Oh my God, what an abstract description! In one part of the room. Yeah. <laughs> 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 one part of the room, there was this lecture going on, and then then you came in from the door, yeah, and y- we like our 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 eyes met, oh. and you were like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Like, Hello, and I was like, "Shut!" You said like you, you like that was that was basically my first reaction. I, I think I said like, "Shh." <laughs> <laughs> my first thought was. Who the hell is this guy coming <laughs> in here? <laughs> this guy coming here shouting loud in the mouth. middle of a <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> loud mouth. Yeah, it was fine. Then we, yeah. we talked a little bit, and you had and. But we had met then before that. No. No, I don't think so. 
Ah, uh, okay. I don't think so. Oh, I said hi. How are you doing to someone else? I think you said it to me. And, uh, oh, okay. And but you said it so loudly, and it was completely quiet in here, and only the speaker was uh, speaking. <laughs> I, was right. like, I was like the bouncer of the place, like keep it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but that was that was. I'm that sorry, was, I, I I don't even remember that. But it's. I'm not it, holding it against you. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. Well, except for you, you're saying it on your podcast. <laughs> right, right. It's out there. <laughs> you're making it public now, so yeah. I've been shamed. <laughs> shamed and shamed. Right. Ding, uh, ding. One more thing, just to remind you that I'm in control of this podcast. Yeah, no. <laughs> Do your worst. Let's see. I'm thicker than that. So, yeah. Well, that's, but that's Hankin, isn't it? To be very mm. loud, be as loud as possible. I think so. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. it's actually a sign sign of poshness. the The louder you are, it's likelier that you're coming from a good background. Really? Yeah. You you try going into the go to Chelsea, and they'll yeah. speak very loudly. But if please, you, if, if you're you go to public school, yeah. you you're very loud. Yeah, I believe that. But please, if you're loud, everyone, please have something something to say at least. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way. Like that's the that's the only excuse for being loud. I think to having actually something to say. If you're well, just, it's just a display uh, of confidence. Or entertaining. It? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Or but sometimes, and yeah, that's true. Mostly that's true. Usually that's true. Yeah. But isn't it sometimes just a sign of insecurity? Not always. Empty barrels make a lot of noise. I think so. <laughs> yes, possibly, but. Um, Compensation, maybe. Mm. Well, it it might not be something that is very conscious. Mm. You, you you know, it it'll it'll influence lots of people that you're part of Finnish Swedish mm. uh, upper class society and you speak loudly on the tram. Mm. Um, but actually, I think it's a sign of health and vigor. Generally speaking, even if you say idiotic things, right, right, that you talk about, you know, the the dress you bought in. In Stockman yesterday, <laughs> right. you know, whatever, yeah. whatever you talk about. Right. YOLO. Name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the main, I think the main reason we arranged this podcast is because you, we, we, um, you uh, have this project yes. going on. Absolutely. Called Aristocracy Now. Aristocracy Now. Aristocracy Now. Yes, yes. sure. And, and it has to do with the state of... Uh, it's a media project, basically. It is a media project with grand ambitions. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, to, to say something a little bit about it, it's it's um, the promise is to try and reintroduce into the media gaze the public intellectual and the public intellectual ideas to be, to provide some sort of platform for for public intellectual thought and individuals representing mm. that, and to some extent. Um, Academe and media come in hand in hand mm, yeah. uh, in this kind of vision, and they used to be together. There, there was such a role as the public mm. intellectual, sort of, in the especially in the sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Academic expertise, or at least rigorous, serious thought, was allowed into the media, um, and we really are seeing a, a darth of it now like it's a desert it's a deserted space the seriosity of uh of serious thought within the media space and um that's something that i've really thought about 
that it's a shame even even the kind of the serious media outlets out there i listen to the bbc they're having clickbaits all over the place yeah. mm. and uh, really cheap tricks like you know eat magnesium before you go to bed mm. uh you know how to know you know how to spice yeah. up your sex life and all that yeah. stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. five places to visit this summer yeah <laughs> all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah even the bbc so if the bbc can't be a bastion of of serious thought who can um and well i'm an academic and uh, i think there are some fascinating interesting conversations that i've had with academics over the years which i you know i'm privileged to have had and very few people are are privileged even if they've been everyone's been you know trained in in you know everyone goes to university these days mm. but very few mm-hmm. people are actually invited into the kind of sacred <laughs> into the, in the, you know <laughs> into the inner inner, inner, inner yeah. circle yeah um and, uh, in, and invited to 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 think hard about things and i think there's lots to be done there and uh, there are media old brands that are are still trying to do something like that and i think there is much more to be done really i, I like vanity fair for example mm. um it can become very dry and um our ambition is to do something a little bit different to combine uh, a serious focus on ideas with style and also entertainment so it's not dissimilar in this sense from what vanity fair is doing what monocle <coughs> is doing what economist 18 what's it called 18 four to something i don't know yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. um to some extent maybe forbes and a few of these kind of lifestyle orientated um brands are trying to do but to focus more on rigorous thought right which can become everything right you can do documentaries with that you can do mm. forecasts you can do uh podcast and vodcast and you can still be kind of faithful to serious cultural mm. analysis which is basically the underlying yeah. kind of a zeitgeist but wouldn't you say that there's a reason why old media like bbc have to do clickbaiting so how do you how do you imagine you're yeah. getting to get or how how do you imagine you get the views if you don't do any clickbaiting or in the same sort of things Well, I think that to some extent people are really following uh blindly some sort of idea here that the media has to be market driven. That thought that you have to ask the customer what does the customer want. No. Of course, I mean I can okay, so as an analogy, do you remember the whole Tony Blair new labor campaign where you basically say you can everyone can have whatever they want. I was like eight. Okay, what it, but but the media campaign was basically <coughs> promising okay, you know, we can have it both ways. What do you want? Well, we want better public services and lower taxes. We don't no. want to pay for the bus. Yeah. But we want it much better than it currently is. Yeah. Well, you you we can promise you to have it, but it's not going to work in in, yeah. in practice. Instead of setting the tone, instead of being educational, which used to be the role of these kind of need, uh, national media outlets like the BBC, like SVT, like Yle, yeah. uh, yeah. all inspired, by the way, initially from BBC. BBC mm. is the first yes. uh, broadcaster. Um, it's, it's taken the kind of market-driven uh, approach, which is to say, well, what do you want then? Mm. Customer, <laughs> you know, media. But don't you think that's out of necessity? I think it's it's I, th- I think it's it's not out of necessity at all. 
I think actually Tyler Boulay is a hero in this sense because he's still defending print. I think I, I, I would agree, and I think most of the most of the people in, in you have to that. show initiative. You have to do <laughs> it. You have to yeah. you ha you have to have an idea of what you want to mm. share, and then you can drive. There are two modes here: mm. either you drive, uh, kind of a way of thinking, out mm. there, or you think driven. you're responding. And currently, yeah. everyone is caught by this kind of wind of responding. That's what that's what I think that everyone's doing. They're yeah. kind of in this kind of um, uh, very mainstream, strong tendency, currency of, yeah. of thought. It's, where it's, it's where it's does that come from? I things you know, going viral. That's 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 the phenomenon. That's the <coughs> phenomena of, of daily life. It, when stuff goes viral, everything everything that's important these days goes viral. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So. Well, we, we can localize this kind of moment of thought <laughs> over the past 15 years, this kind of market responsiveness in the, the media market responsiveness to, yeah. to, the, well, to the past 20 years of, uh, um, let's call it the new media age, which is not popular to call it anymore, but mm. you know, the digital development right since now. basically in the past 20 years. Mm. And the death of print media. It's technocratic. So th mm. it's been a technocratic drive to develop the new media was never about media per se the mm. substance of media it was always about the medium the mm. media proper but right. when we you know generally speak about media we we tend to kind of refer to the articles and this uh, kind of con yeah. what's called content you know yeah. right. <laughs> and um the substance so to speak mm. but i really mean that which delivers that which communicates the yeah. vessels the containers of the, the of that which is contained right, right? the yeah. medium the, yeah, uh, the media, and um, so you know we've we've been busy developing all these channels, mm. um, and they're great, they're useful. Sure. Yes. But <laughs> but you also have to fill it with stuff. Right. And, uh, and hopefully not just. Stuff. And and, yeah. and and it's right. so interesting, mm. I think, that now we have now we have so-called platforms, right? Mm. We have all these social media platforms. We have all sorts of distribution mm. capabilities. Uh, we have we have an entire network of uh, ways of distributing and broadcasting and individualizing content. Yeah. But very little is done on the content side. Yeah. So you can carry on thinking that you can respond, mm. but actually at some point you're going to have to show initiative yeah. and push. Right. Yeah. Push economy. This is what it's about. Yeah, it seems like people have become so like ever since like the sixties when the first the, the, the ARPANETs and JCR Licklider, the, the the precursors to the modern internet. Mm. All these all these uh, internet futurist idealists, the dream was always free information. The dream was always uh, to pr to provide a provide a platform for the dissemination of information which which back then was a utopic dream we're living in it right now and it seems like we'd, we've developed this myopia to, uh, uh, to sort of just only focus on the media itself as you said uh, as the medium itself and not develop it intellectually but it seems like uh, these might only be like the ad, ad that's the ide idealist in me thinking it's 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 these are just the baby steps of our of our internet experience in the sense that we sure we live in this viral clickbait trend right now but we're gonna learn we're gonna we're gonna if, if it must be proactive i mean we have to reintroduce the internet intellectual rigor into the uh into the media landscape but it's it's i, I hope yeah i don't know well, I, no, but I, it doesn't, I, I, I don't i don't feel sorry no, I, I was going to say it doesn't help when the 
when the platforms that people use are kind of like engineered against good media because like the f- there was a study that uh like under 25 year olds in the US like 50% or was it even more like 80% of the youth get their news from their Facebook feed yeah but Facebook the algorithms the news that you get on Facebook are only based on how many likes so uh mm-hmm. the more likes some article gets the more likely it is to pop on somebody's feed so it's really hard to, so if you don't have a really g- great headline that people are going to like most people don't even read the articles they yeah. just read the headline but it's really hard to push through when when the platforms are working against you so yeah. how do you plan to you know <laughs> push well, through well perseverance i think really yeah i think insistence yeah. and perseverance and bec- <laughs> The good guys win in the end. The crusaders of the soul. It is. But you're admitting it's a bit of an idealistic, idealistic. No, project. I, 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 I picked up on that. Right. I don't really think it is. I mean, the idealistic stuff is to carry on being this kind of bureaucratic, boring, mm. you know, technocrats kind of promoting engineering culture. I've never understood why they do it. Actually, mm. never. How, how come most people aren't bored? You know, <laughs> I yeah. go into the Natural History Museum in London. I mean, two years ago, here's an episode. Mm. Yeah. I went into the National Hi- History Museum. Uh, we stood there, beautiful building. They have mm. dinosaur skeletons or whatever in there. Yeah. I'm like, great, me and my friend Pete. Mm. Uh, the other half of aristocracy now is <coughs> kind of founding at least. Okay. Um, yeah. We lasted five minutes and then we were so bored. What do you think we did? We left, we went to V&A, Victorian Alberts Museum. Mm. Yeah. We like, thank God. The first thing we saw was a Vivian Westwood dress and, you know, fantastic art. Like, mm. we're back, we're saved by humanity. Yeah. What really matters is, of course, substance here. Never mind content. I don't like the term because it's derivative. It's kind of that which is con- that which is contained within the container, which is right. the Facebook yeah. or whatever. Who cares? Ma- okay, so this goes back to classic media theory, 60s, Ma- uh, McLuhan. The medium is the message. Mm. No, it's not. Right, the message is the message. Yes, the message <laughs> is the... So you you go into the iTunes store, you go into Spotify, and you listen to Bach, okay? Mm. Is Bach content? It's laughable. You see what I mean? It's Goethe content. Right, yeah. Come on, it's Nietzsche content. It's yeah. um, Michelangelo. It's that content for whatever, the museum e- tour experience. Mm. Goodbye. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. Right? That's what matters. That's what substance. So is this idealistic... I, I don't know. There wouldn't be a means of communication without the substance, without mm. without that which fills and makes our world as humans interesting. So it's not yet idealistic. It's just pure, you know, int- it's just what's interesting, what's fascinating, mm. what's it's part of human products to want to do and create things. So what's idealistic is sticking to this kind of boring perception of the world having to be in a certain way fitting into some sort of being some marketing expert how to push our coca-cola product out there yeah. or thinking that everything is like a coca-cola that's what's boring mm-hmm. that's what's that's what's idealistic sticking to your guns in this sense see what i mean i think i see what you mean that's absolutely i, I i'm not sure making money out of it is possible right. too but but that's the that's the trap that media falls into because they have to play like that's the thing that happened well they do it but they, d- but they, they don't have to. Have to. They don't, you don't think they have to? No. Okay. Certainly not. Well, well, it's, yeah, and BBC doesn't have to do it, do they? Because they get tax money. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's easy. We have guns. Yeah, that's yeah. true for yeah. all of them. What yeah. Ile is doing all this crap. I mean, they have such... 
it's nonsense. I, I mean, I don't, I don't speak Finnish, yeah. but I've listened to it, and I was like, come on, At that level. I just mm. see the topics they talk about. Yeah. You know, they invite some rubbish, you know, so-called experts mm. on something, and they talk about relationships, and it's just, you know. But that's the problem. I mean, or, especially or, these days. Or junti yulkis. Yeah. Celebrities <laughs> who yeah, talk no, about no, no. absolutely just yeah. nothing. Right, yeah. They don't have to do that. Mm. They're independent. That's, that's clickbait, right. But that's the... That's true. It's yes, it's weak. It's, it's a weak leadership position. Yeah, that's true. And but um, it's been the developments in the recent years, and I think I, in some sense it's true. The internet, as, mu- as much as I like it, it's destroyed the business model. It's not destroyed, but it's it's completely put the business model for uh, rigorous journalism on its head, because print media has been one of the you, back in the day when there were several publications, like mm. hundreds of publications, especially yes. in the U.S., and then no. they start disappearing. And now every, now all the biggest ones, all the ones you read, New York Times, they're Fortune 500 companies. Yes. They've had to be playing, have to play by the rules of, of a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's sad because, because the, the, the MO of successful journalism is not the same as the MO of a successful business. Mm. Intellectual honesty. What do you mean by MO? Sorry, modus operandi. Like, modus like operandi, how, yeah. how do how how? Yes, exactly. The, they're, 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 I don't know how to translate modus operandi to another. Like they're, they're, I know the, what the, modus operandi. The way it functions by every, anyone yes. who's listening. So, right. Yeah. yeah. The, the way they function, basically. The way the way the machinery works. Yeah. Um, the reason for operating in a certain reason way. for oper- right. right. Yes. yes. It's like a way of operating. Yeah. So so and and and. That, that's true. I mean, that's why Ilta Lehti is the most read, uh, the tabloid. So it's, why it's the most read publication in Finland because it's But there easy. is something nice about it too. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 listen, so listen to this. So I, I made a little a pun here and I, I mm-hmm. can tell you the story if you're really interested. But to my friend, so how about this slogan for A now? We call it Aristocracy now or yep. A now. Yeah. Um, a now. A now, <laughs> it's a bit like that. Yeah. A, <laughs> a now, it's, what's that? Is that um, what's the name of that? Uh, yeah, the was it the Dub Foundation or the Asian? Oh, I can't remember. The I don't Far know. East Movement, that band. They maybe had A now, A now, that song. I don't know. I don't right. Know. Anyway, <laughs> so A now reporting the high life, covering high as well as low culture, but never meddling with the middling classes in between. <laughs> so it's a bit like saying, well, you know, I only do high and low culture. Right. I yeah. only do Bach and Geordie Shore. Right. Yeah. Right. And nothing yeah. in between. Right. Martha Stewart, goodbye. You know, uh, what's her, you know, Oprah Winfrey, no thanks. Um, Dr. Phil. Dr. Yeah. Phil, yeah, maybe not today, not, yeah. thanks. I'm fine. USA Today, all this. Uh, loose women. I mean, when, once you get into the bit trashier show, and yeah, I'm. Geordie Shore is very I'm interesting. Geordie Shore is so interesting. <laughs> I'm really into high culture. I, I yeah. listen to Charlie Rose, well, the old stuff, you know, Charlie Rose, CBS 60 mm. Minutes guy. Yeah. I listen to Today Show BBC in the morning, mm. even if they're a bit lame, liberal. Um, and, um, you know, I do my Nietzsche studies. <laughs> and <laughs> and then I do a massive jump and I go Geordie Shore X on the beach uh, <laughs> Celebrity Big Brother yeah. and I and I watch it all and I love it but yeah. nothing in between no morning TV show with some kind of self righteous frumpy woman interviewing people and telling you know moralizing about how they should be living and so on yeah yeah no, it's, it's, it's just, yeah it's for balance's sake right. 
because you maintain the it's exactly right balance because you maintain the you maintain the level but not by just like <laughs> sticking to the one threshold you just go up and you go down you go up and the but the the average is yeah is but the, the upper yeah. classes always had a great affinity with the lower classes and they never on and they never particularly had a lot over or you know they didn't have a a, a great uh, appreciation for the middle meddling classes i think there is something about the meddling of the middling you know the bourgeois right okay because they were always upward striving and insecure in their position and anyway we live in very bourgeois cultures everywhere anyway mm. so yeah. this is perhaps a bit controversial especially if you have a brand name called aristocracy now <laughs> right yeah so a lot of people have only uh, closed the podcast already when you said that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, no, I'm, I'm fine. We're 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 sifting the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> <laughs> the Nietzsche is coming out. Uh, oh. But I mean, so what? What do you think this is? I mean, I wrote this. I don't want to plug my own. That's uh, egotistically thing you can do, like plug my own essay to school. But I mean, I remember this one quote that I really liked by Stefan Collini mm-hmm. uh, from called absent minds when he said like journalism is basically the noise made my, made by a culture talking to itself which is which is very revealing in the sense that it's it, 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 it's, yeah. it's it's the old chicken and egg question when it comes to journalism is is this the information that's that's disseminated to to the public because they quote unquote deserve it because that's what they want mm. what do you think it reminds me, that quotation reminds me of something that Enoch Powell said about diary writing. Mm. Um, <coughs> diary writing yeah. is that is kind of regur- why would you regur- regurgitate your one's own vomit? <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, what, what journalism is, was mm. it was always, it was born out of chatting classes. So you have the title Vanity Fair. It is. It is the bourgeois. It is the bourgeoisie tendency of just chat away about nonsense, mm. ultimately. And then there were some kind of noble attempts to, in, to inject a little bit of culture in it. And I think BBC, to some extent, was, a, was an outcome of that. But it was. It's. I remember. You know, Tatler, Tatler, the kind of the Tatler, the publication, the British British upper class publication reporting on upper class life in the in the UK it's hugely important because if you want to establish yourself as a Russian oligarch in British society you have to send your kids to public school and you have to get them to behave in a certain way because otherwise they can't ingratiate themselves and get into British society mm. um, and so they buy Tatler so there is a massive I think the second biggest market if not the biggest market is actually Russia Tatler Russia so they report on you know 16-year-olds coming out of the, co- the kind of uh, coming into society balls and things like that. Six flirty dresses for spring. It's Condé Nast. Yeah, yeah, right. that sort of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's really kind of uh, uh, romanticizing poshness. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's become a bit self-conscious recently, and they had this kind of uh, um, quite interesting documentary about three-part documentary and in that they interviewed a land-owning conservative MP Mm. member of parliament uh, who said well you know (laughs) um, the British uh, you know the journalists not just British journalists but journalists in general journalism is the most incompetent profession That's what he said, yeah. unashamedly. And that's yeah. what you got to love the upper class for that, because they will say stuff like that. The lower mm. class and upper class will say that, and the middle class will say, fuck all. 
Yeah. <laughs> because they're too, they're too scared about health and safety, so they won't let you drink. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mimosas, brunch, Friday mornings. But right. so he said, he said that, and I think that rang so true. Mm. You know, um, and Horace Engdahl, the former uh, secretary for the, uh, for the Svenska Akademin, Swedish Academy, mm. um, he lamented the state of Swedish media, which, you know, it's, 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 it's really derisory, it's laughable, saying, you know, I've long, li- I've long, I've since long given up hope of reading some serious thought in Swedish media. Mm. And Germany is, you know, like Sweden, but for adults. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting actually to remind yeah. Finnish r- listeners if we have some here that while Finnish speaking and Swedish speaking Finns alike both look to Sweden for mm. inspiration I'm sure also from a media perspective mm. they can be well aware that its level of sophistication is kind of a memory gone <laughs> right uh, I, I have to, I have to agree with him I, I think that's true but I think that's generally true I mean there is something very incompetent about media and journalists uh, quite fundamentally it's, it's quite basic it's banal many many times like this kind of investigative reporting seeking out the truth by eliciting this kind of uh, confessional practices as if you're some sort of high priest as part of the Inquisition yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, kind of tell us the truth. That's. I mean, it typically. Well, you know, I mean, remember that question that you asked me. So, who would you interview as part of your podcast? I think that's a good question in a mm. sense because it's coming from you and you're an intellectual. But would it come from most other uh, journalists? Typically, the idea is that well, we can grill this person and we can get something out yeah. of him. Actually, it's not what we do in academia to a large extent, or serious thinkers outside of it. And I can name some exceptions, like Christopher Hitchens or Hunter S. Thompson's, where you're actually trying to approach an object of truth that you want to discuss. So it's a discussion with someone that can help you talk about that. So it's not about extracting information about your interviewee, yeah. so much as having an interlocutor, in, in, yeah, someone to discuss it with. Discussion about ideas, yes, right, exactly. Right, yeah. you see what I mean? A dialogue. That's, what, that's something I think is, the, that's a characterization of the current state of the media landscape, if it's done competently. Hmm. But even the competent attempt is right. incompetent. It's, it's focused yeah. on, the, as you said, the <coughs> McLuhan quote, the medium is the message. It's focused on the medium itself. Like, basically, basically, what, what can this, uh, what can this high priest uh relay onto me and even and now you are the high priest trying to trying to extract information through exactly. confessional practice right, right exactly and and these days the, the sad part is that even the people the people who we consider to be the 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 one the one the ones who the information is is is, uh, is tra- extracted from these days it's even that even that quality is degrading so there's there's like this double degra- degradation going on where the in interview uh, the interview process even even just calling it an interview not a discussion is, a, is so telling but but even yeah. the interviewees have have become celebrities yes and and uh, these completely redundant yeah. persons only for clickbait basically yeah. only only to attract attention mm. and attention is the currency of 2000 the 2010s basically attention because we live in the, we, we all we all live in the same backyard we all live in, on Facebook. We all live in the same backyard, and and the one who shouts the loudest, and the one who who is, I don't know, naked. <laughs> nothing wrong with nakedness. I mean, that's been used uh, for centuries. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I, I, there was one thing I was going to say, and that's and that's I, mean, I guess back to the um, to the reason why why uh, um, the quality has uh, degraded, mm. degraded, degraded, degraded mm-hmm. for such a long time, and it. Um, and I think uh, it, it all comes down to that. I mean, I know, I know, it's not, it's not sexy to talk about uh, the the underlying mecha- the mechanics of, of the, the business model itself, of how media is sustained in the first place. Mm-hmm. Of course, is everything is sustained through money, sustained through uh, funds, sustained like a business. And um, these days, if you look at the business model of, of modern media, it's basically it's twofold. There's two. There's two. Uh, uh, factors that are sustaining media these days. Basically, it's uh, charity mm-hmm. from rich people, and that's that's all. It's always been there. Have, there have always been these media barons who have given money out of their <coughs> massive fortunes just because they have this personal interest yeah. yes. for for uh, good quality journalism or yeah. whatever. That's one. Yes, and that it's even more reliant these days on that for a reason that I will surely come to later. And uh, advertising. Yes. Well, and we have crowdfunding also. There's crowdfunding. Sure, that's yeah. true. But that's, and I think, in the sense, it goes into the same branch as the first category, even though it's it's, it's a different thing. Yeah. Surely. But yeah, basically, like, uh, they're not payments; they're donations. It's it's basically no, charity. Yeah. For, yeah. Well, they get usually something for what they pay, but. Well, I don't know. Do. I don't know. No, I I don't have a, a an economic kind of. Um, Bis- uh, I don't have a business model that operates at the level of an econo- e- economic model or a, syst- a systematic model mm. that can be introduced here to sort of, uh, hey presto, kind of solve the, right. the quality of media problem. Yeah. But I know what I would like to do, which mm. is kind of to emulate the fashion industry. Mm. The fashion, I- well, for example, uh, luxury and fashion. Mm. Luxury, fashion and thought go very well together. And actually, print media, good quality print media, is kind of a luxury item. I don't have a problem with that being exclusive in the sense that there are some people who can afford. That's doing interesting. It. Can you can you ex- so, elaborate? So, Karl Lagerfeld is you know interesting man. Actually, he you know he, he has no interest in being stuck in some sort of idealism. He wants to get his fashion out there, but he's completely uncompromising when it comes to the, the you know. The, the the fashion quality that is um, that is produced under his labels, mm. and but he's but he's completely ruthless when it comes to exploiting whatever means of of selling it or, or mm. um, and but if you as long as you're sticking to it as a branding of luxury items, then you can sell it at a premium rate, and you can get your advertising. If you if you open up Esquire, if you open Vogue. If you open up Wallpaper magazine or Monocle yeah. or Vanity Fair, who are the advertisers? Cartier, Rolex, yeah. Chanel. Mm. Right. Are these particularly, are these intellectuals who are buying Chanel bags, Dolce & Gabbana, uh, you know, Rolex? Perhaps they are, but there is also the image of high life and all these things coming together. So high quality thinking, mm. high quality um, aesthetic appreciation go hand in hand. Who we talked about this previously. Business schools, if if anywhere in academe, it's if there is one part um, of academe that is uh, 
kind of a bit like a catwalk. Mm. Which 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 faction would you say that it is? It's business schools, but wh- which one? Which part? Which discipline? Which department in business school? It's basically like catwalk. Uh, yeah. I think finance. Maybe. Finance. Finance. It's yeah. always finance. Right. They're always a bit exclusive. You go into the city of London. What looks fanciest? Finance. It's always finance, yeah. especially M and A. Yeah. They have. There is. There is a very strong appreciation there. So yeah. these things come. They go together, and I think that that's the way forward. You go luxury, and you set the tone, just like high fashion. Yeah. So basically, let's start with elitist <laughs> perspective. <laughs> and I can get back to these two words because I think that some people might be They're loaded. Yes. They're yeah. loaded, uh, both elitist, mm. uh, aristocratic. We can we can talk about these terms because I think maybe they need some clarification. Let's do it now, please. Well, I just want to finish I just sure. want to th- oh, finish this yes. point that the the point is that you you go for setting the tone just like mm. haute couture. Yeah. So media you push at the at that level. Mm. and then you can get through because in, you know the world is still run by very intelligent people yeah. it's not that bad you yeah. know right well and you might not like these individuals yeah. but but they're at least intelligent they're intelligent and they're capable of talking about the ideas and they're ideas, not necessarily right? hypocritical i mean hillary clinton was and sometimes <laughs> hypocrisy you know his her, equiv- her <laughs> as long as you're now. as long as you're yeah. doing the right thing in the yeah. end that's the key i mean people focus on hypocrisy all the time it's bad yeah, but it's not the worst thing as long as you, the end result as long as what you're doing is good aristocracy yeah. now cannot be uh, accused of being hypocritical no <laughs> <laughs> uh, right so yes you had yeah. a question uh, not really i wouldn't really want to get into uh, your explanation i'm not b- well versed in fashion at least as a uh, as a the culture the culture of fashion i don't think mm. i mean everyone likes to think that they're wearing good clothes but i don't think it go- i think it goes deeper than that mm. uh, the culture of fashion so could could you uh, could you uh, expand on on the, what you mean by elitism what you mean by the aristocracy i think we're going to get into nietzsche now i think uh we could i mean but um f- maybe maybe an important thing is to say that there, uh, aristos is of course a Greek term, mm-hmm. uh, aristocra- aristocracy, the original meaning of this, um, which goes back to ancient philosophy, is the rule by the best. It's mm. a small group, like a council or something like that. I mean, political science is typically taught in that way, that there is a sequence of three mo- movements. Mm. The first is that you have some sort of sovereign tyrant or dictator. Yeah. yeah. And the second movement is some sort of oligopoly or oligarchy, mm. uh, for example, an aristocracy, or it can be a, a plutocracy, or it could be a, what's that called when you're lots of thieves, like uh, I can um, what's the Latin word for thieves? Kleptocracy. Uh, kleptocracy. Like yeah, yeah. you know, there are all sorts of terms like that. But the point is that it's not everyone, but there is a few. Mm. But Aristocracy would be that there is a few and they are the best. Mm. This is the this is the classical uh, understanding. Right. Uh, and well, you have to go. You have to go back to. Um, you have to go back to the Republic and read this, Plato. Mm. Um, but it, and, and then you have a democracy. That this is kind of the, the schematized way of 
kind of political science in a nutshell sequ- sequence. Well, yeah, we could get in all sorts of problematics in, in that, but it's a heuristic, right? Yeah. My point is not that I'm particularly interested in a, a, a talking about a political uh, system. Mm. Yeah. This is not about rule in that sense. Mm. But instead of going, we were talking about, what was that film that we talked about earlier? Idi- Idioc- Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Right. 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 So... What is the problem that I think current me- currently is occupying the intellectual, uh, that space that could be occupied by, in, uh, you know, intelligence and, and, and intelligentsia? Mm. Well, simply put, stupidity. Yeah. And what would be the solution? Well, Simplicity. some sort of intelligence, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> to wrap up this episode. Right. Great. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> End of story. So, some sort of uh, attempt of at sophistication. Mm. So bringing it's a perfectionist philosoph- philosophical mm. orientation, trying to have an aristocracy of the soul, the spirit, bringing that forth, which is what it sounds very pompous to say, I think. But uh, the, the ambition is a well, humble. It's it's, I mean, what's popular right now is the self-improvement movement. And all that. It's basically the same thing wrapped in a different package. Is yes, it, 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 that's the biggest insult you could throw at me, I think. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, not not no. in a bad way. I mean, uh, but that's very bourgeois, I'm isn't it? To say this kind of self improvement nonsense. No, it's. I w- no. I'm not saying it as as being nonsense. I'm not. I'm not. Pack, I'm not saying it's like self help, like like this like tacky sleep eight hours a night, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of good in the. I know it's a, it's more of like an engineering. Um, uh, it's very. We we're talking about the engineering culture of today. It's a very. It's it's, it's basically wrapped wrapped in the same kind of, of aesthetic mm. Mm. there's a lot of good in it like I, I read a lot of uh, this is a book about The Power of Habit I just read it by Charles Duhigg it's a very very good book about basically the uh, yes yes uh, books like books like that I mean pragmatist he's a pragmatist philosopher Exactly, you're right, right. Rorty, Rorty's, you know he declared the pragmatist project to be an absolute philosophical failure yeah. yeah, he said it, I failed yeah. at the end of his career. 40, 80, no. <laughs> but okay, yes, no, I understand. But yeah. the whole kind of tendency, it's a bit superficial, right? This uh, this kind of self-actualizing, this self-help. Perform better. Uh, you know, do, you know, I thought I was quite clever when I came up with some slogans saying, you know, uh, it's, what was it? Uh, it's better to... There's no reason to let standards drop. It's mm. an expression, right? No. Like you, you know, you should sit up straight up and know how to, you know, use a knife and fork. Yeah. And then I thought I was clever when I added the the second line. And there is every reason to lo- to make them rise. Yeah. <laughs> and then my f- Pete, my friend, who's a bit sterner than me, he said, you know, it's very, you know, it's so bourgeois. <laughs> 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 it's so upward striving. But it's much more serious than this. It's loftier. I mean, every age have their own geniuses. Mm. I mean, I don't. I like the idea that. Okay, let me put it this way. Whenever, whenever, you know, contemporary media try to get onto a serious topic, it mm. becomes like trying to paint a beautiful woman, but not being a competent painter. It mm. becomes ugly, and you know. How do you paint a beautiful woman if you're not talented? It's better that you don't. Right. If you're going to do a, com- a comedic representation, that's easy, mm. right? But painting a beautiful woman is hard. Yeah. 
in the same sense, getting onto topic like, for example, conservative thought, or what is traditional thought, or what is honor, big topics like that, you can vary, or metaphysics, or, or something simpler. Mm. What is the modern gentleman I've seen recently? Someone. What happens is that it becomes a bit banal. Mm. It becomes a bit silly. It becomes a bit coy. It becomes, you know. I think. I think what you, you see just what said, I mean. I, that's, exactly. Yes. And getting, getting, how to get things, how to say things in the, in the proper way. That's tricky stuff. Yeah. Unless you do everything this kind of light entertainment style. I think you might which have accidentally hit the nail on the head like with that analogy, with the painting analogy, mm-hmm. like more than you even thought. Even no, because in these days, these days, uh, uh, who are basically considered, especially among the, among the young, who are considered the most trustworthy disseminators of, of, of news and information and political commentary these days? It's Stephen Colbert. It's John Oliver. It's, bl- it's all of these like comedians, basically. Yeah. And and so that's Jerry what Seinfeld's got a good show as well. I right, quite like, I quite like that. Comedians in car have cars having coffee. Yeah, excellent. It is good. Anyway, it's good. sorry, but yeah. that but that is uh, and and it's as even though I like them. Yeah. Even though I like the shows. Even though I like the sometimes the intellectual content I like. I mean, it's, there is there's there's these. Uh, <coughs> it's a very very good medium to do to uh, or a very good uh, uh, comedy is. Oh, you ran out of water. Yeah. Could you go? Yeah, I think yeah, kind thank, of thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Uh, could you bring some tea with you as well? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. We can go on. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, uh, in really these simple paradoxes, mm. humor is very good. Yes. Basically, yes. but uh, but it's it's not the kind of intellectual. Hitchensian journalism that we're talking about. John Oliver's ten-minute segment on whatever topic he talks about. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, but but the reason why I think you said Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens. I said Hitchens. Yeah. 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 Hitchensian. It's probably the first time ever that terms has been used. But I mean, but <laughs> that's he's the generation of of the old school journalist that he I. He is in a sense. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. Glad. Thank you. And uh, but. But because the level of journalism has sunk so low, it's basically mm, only the people who explicitly admit yes. that this is comedical. This is this is, this is put, like put in a comedic framework. They, those are the ones who succeed because yeah. the ba- it's the same intellectual content, yeah. the same level of intellectual content, basically. Mm. Uh, sometimes better, but the point point is that it's it has the extra, it has the entertainment, and it has the it has the the the. It has some sort of ex- extra stimulus, stimulus, yeah. which is the humor that that makes it so yeah. attractive. Yeah, extra stimulus. It, it's it's so required these days. Music is not enough. For example, you have to have a music video, right. and you have to have a show, and you have yeah. to have an interview with artists. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, your dopamine receptors have to be tickled. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the kind of spectralization of everything. But right. I don't mind that. I'm you know I'm very susceptible to that as well. Yeah, but. Um, yeah. But okay, so it's yes, yes, okay, so carry on because you were saying that I hit the nail on the head with the analogy of the beautiful girl paintings. Right. So what's because what's happening with those comedians? Because the level, because no one knows how to paint. Mm. The the picture of the woman is always bad, mm. but the ones who make it explicitly bad, the ones who make it funny, 
fun, bad in a funny way. Those are the ones who succeed in this day. Yeah. But if we had people who could paint a beautiful picture, and I yes, we there. I mean, there. I think there are still good journalists out there. There are people who do good work. I like Matt Taibbi, for example. I do like Matt Taibbi, who does great work for. He's a Rolling Stone. It's not really like it's not the best publication out there, but I mean, nah. Matt Taibbi does good work. I think it was good when Hunter was there. It was good. Yep. Right. Yeah. He made that publication, didn't yep. he? He did, and it's ba- it's basically riding on the wave of Hunter still. I think. Yes. In some sense. That's very interesting. This is interesting, actually. Here, let me make one point immediately yeah. on Hunter, because what we are now seeing the contemporary media style, it really is following in the wake of what Hunter S. Thompson it's trying to be, yeah, and Gonzo Vice. and well, Hunter is it's more than just that. That's that's obvious mimicking. Mm. But then there is more subtle mimicking. And mm. what that is, is Hunter S. Thompson, Gonzo style, Tom Wolfe, new journalism. Those two guys together. The new journalism which breaks the fourth wall, which writes in the reporter, the subjective moment and all that. Mm. That is contemporary. It's like in Sweden, we have these guys now. You see it everywhere. Philip or Fredrik. Have you heard of yep. them? funny guys very comedically minded guys smart as well and they just go after whatever nonsense and everything they do turns out to be pretty good but that is that you know breaking the fourth wall that sort of journalistic that you write yourself into the play or the story and the irony is that when you speak to someone and say you read Hunter S. Thompson, for mm. example, his novel, The Rum Diary, which I thought was fantastic. Mm. Have you read it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and anything you pick up from his reporting on a horse polo, you know, how he kind of loves the aristocratic horse polo crowd. And, mm. yeah. you know, it's easy to, ref- I mean, you, you can say it's like, it's like, are you reading that? What, are you 15? You'll hear people, you know, if not say it, they will think that. It's this kind of association. And uh, Tom Wolfe is a bit more obscure and a bit more boring sociological professor Mm. originally. But actually writes very well. He had that recent book, which was pretty good, about Miami and sex, um, called Back to Blood, which is a Nietzschean reference. Anyway, um, (laughs) my point is that once... Once we think about new journalists, Gonzo, Hunter S. Thompson, Tom Wolfe, we think that it's easy. Anyone can do it. Anyone can go out and do it. What you forget is that Hunter S. Thompson, he was raw, pure writing talent. Mm -hmm. Plus, I mean, it's in the same sense that people say it's it's easy to to think that you can write like Hemingway mm. but doing it is something altogether different that's double doubly truth for Hunter S Thompson he was raw talent plus he was also classically trained he trained himself he'd re- he'd done his literature he knew his place in the literary canon he knew what he was going himself into which is not the image the gonzo image that he portrays right mm. you know when he's Duke, right, yeah. this kind of Raoul Duke character. Yeah. Um, you know, for him to become a writer, he would he would rewrite and write, type up word for word, syllable by syllable, The Great Gatsby. 
Fitzgeralds. Because, yeah. as he said himself, he wanted to know. I want to learn yeah. from the masters. Right. He wanted to and feel that's like the way what of it doing felt it. like to write. Okay, yeah, right. It's yeah. the same sense that if you want to understand acting, you you do the Shakespeare plays. You mm -hmm. read them and learn them by heart, so you can recite them. And you tell someone that, and you are considered a fuddy duddy. You know, that's not cla that's classical educational nineteenth century nonsense. It's not suitable for our day and age. Mm. Well, you point out, well, Andreas Thompson did that, you know? Yeah. That's what, that's what contemporary no journalism's roots are. Right. Vice can take note. Instead of hiring, you know, 16-year-olds that you pay fuck all, yeah. you know, for, yeah. go to the humanities and get some serious thinkers out of there. Right. And you might be able to do something which, that which you're trying to emulate. Yeah. You might even approximate it. The problem is that mm. you need talent, too. But don't you think they fall into the same trap of their commercial success? It was a huge commercial success, and you get blinded by it. If they just if they just were content with with the the one how uh, basically the way I I came across Vice is how everyone came across Vice because it's who who wouldn't want to see what a week in North Korea would be like with uh, Roderick. What's his name? No, Shane. No, no not not Shane. It's a uh, what's his name? Uh, that episode was with Shane, I'm Shane. pretty sure. Oh, Shane, Shane but he also, that, what's the name of the basketball player? Oh, De uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. I love yeah. the guy. Yeah, Dennis Rodman oh, is great. He's up, isn't he? <laughs> he is a little bit, yeah. But he's great. He, he I'll go part. So on your questions, yeah. I'll party with Dennis Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to I wanna go out clubbing. Yeah, I want to have that. a whole, I want to have 20 clubs yeah. and five bars. And two restaurants in one it. Helsinki night with Dennis Rodman and Paris Hilton. He was in Helsinki. <laughs> he was in Helsinki uh, uh, some time ago, and I think if you were here, you could have experienced that firsthand. It was not even like a dream. We should invite him. Dream back. come true. Maybe he pardoned in North Korea. Maybe we'll send him an, a letter. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> had this dare. We'll think about it. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to see that? And that that was. Yes, no, I'm, look, I'm not yeah. denigrating the kind of, the gusto mm. of Vice. I love the man. What's his name? Shane Smith. Shane Smith, yeah. yeah. You know, he went out there. He did something very, very interesting. Mm. I love it. Mm. I love what he's accomplished. He's mm. got all the channels. By the way, that's what I want to do too in the next 10 years. But I, this time I want to do it with substance. Yeah. Let's just, for the pun's sake, do virtue, mm. not Vice. But, you know, it sounds so lame. Right. Yeah. I'll do Antichrist virtue. Yeah. Not vice. Not this kind of Jesus vice. Is that? Yeah, yeah I understand. I understand. Is that harsher? Yeah. Just to get a bit more edgier. stinging, edgier, get more stinging into it. Is that your no. goal to be edgier? Because <laughs> that that is definitely following the footsteps of modern day culture, contemporary culture. I think if you want to take a step back, you, you try to be edgy. We want to stir. We want to stir stuff up, really. Of course. Because really, it stir yeah. stuff up. Is hard hard thinking requires hard people, not this kind of soft, yeah. weak people. But well, here, here are some. Here are some. Uh, just as a curiosity, just a practical example. Here are some uh, vice headlines. Yes. Let's go. Voss water is bullshit. <laughs> is that VOS? Uh, VOSS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. VOSS. Yeah. yeah. VOSS yeah. waters. Yeah. There are drugs in your drinking water. Yeah. These tiny baby head sculptures are freaking us out. <laughs> Behind the scenes photos of an alpaca beauty pageant. This might be actually be pretty interesting. 
No, it's no. gonna be boring. You yes. know it's gonna be dull. Of course, yes. Seven films about what it's like to be a girl in New York City. Kendrick Lamar. That's popular. I mean, who? I mean, isn't it boring to think what's the name of that girl's woman? She's so ugly. What? What's the name? The girls. Uh, the whole girls isn't it called girls that I've never show? I think so but I've never I've okay never let's not yeah. even get into it let's but I mean I prefer it. Sex in the City before they did this whole feminist stuff at least it was kind of semi not feminist and now in Drop, Drop the Shark are you saying or everything everything about sex becomes absolutely boring once you get feminists involved now you're uh, right. yeah I, no, well, I, let me let me quote someone right I'll, I'll, but I mean yeah let me quote someone on that. Um, if you leave, if you leave sex in the hands of feminists, it's like um, leaving your dog for vacation at the taxidermist. <laughs> Basically, it kills it. Yeah, but here's the here's the. It's Camille Paglia. Yeah, Camille Paglia, woman, rocker, yeah. American professor in, I think. Uh, I think yeah. literature. Here, here's here, and I think this is where uh, this is She's where spot on. This is where uh, the, your definition of feminist becomes very, very important. I mean, I would agree there are there are these different waves of feminism, and uh, but but there's also the other side of of of, of, of uh, it will self destruct. So I'm not going to even get into what what the feminist product. It's so boring. It's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. But it, but the the thing I was gonna say is the uh, the other side of the coin is if if if, uh, if female sexuality has and it has been for quite some time in history it, it was currency basically uh, what did the what, what did the female have as their own uh, curse as their as their bargaining point their sexuality in a, in a in a in a, lip, in a more and more liberated culture at least in theory where it's not a currency anymore where it's not something to be strategically uh, strategically, uh, basically, not disseminate. I've used that word way too many times in this <laughs> podcast. But which word? Uh, disseminated, like yeah. which not like strategically given out. Yes. Then, then it becomes more free and and and. I see I a pun coming on dissemination here. <laughs> I'm going to avoid it by a mile. Everyone who is uh, who is mildly attuned to any of the kind of the gay sec- the gay humor scene. Mm-hmm. Will know that the new end is coming any minute now. <laughs> the comedian. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to avoid it now, yeah. but now it's in my head. Right. But um, yeah, uh, when it stops being a currency, when it stops being a bargaining chip. Yeah. When it comes, when it becomes free, mm. that's when that's when sexuality really thrives. Yeah, I think it's just. I, I think. I think. I don't think that's true. I, I don't think it actually is. I don't think feminism has killed anything actually in terms of sex. Um, it's been it's more of a currency than ever really yes I'm not saying I'm not saying the development has been uh, uh, I don't know the right direction I don't know but I mean (laughs) but I mean it's uh, hmm probably hasn't been in the right direction but I mean I mean the point is I completely lost my train of thought here sorry no, no no it's fine it's fine it's not your fault but what I was gonna say is, um, is uh, that's at least in theory. It's in theory that it would be that way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, sure. it has been. A, 
but it but maybe has become more of a, cu a currency because the 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 status of its because it's a, it has been a currency that status has been amplified and that's something that you should get rid of i mean the critic of modern feminism in many ways is that you're you're uh, make it making the the division more explicit you're mm. not trying to bridge the division you're not trying to bridge the gap you're making it more explicit explicit isn't that the main critique maybe i, I maybe i smell the you, you i am i'm not an expert you're falling asleep <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not an expert on that at all. Yeah. I, I, yes, I am falling asleep. I, I find it the, the dullest topic there is. Right. It's a non-topic yeah. to me. Feminism. Yeah. Yes, it's actually so interesting how much of this pervades mm. uh, social sciences. It's an ethical project. Actually, mm. it's mm. not the pursuit of truth. It already knows truth. It's worse than both Marxism and and. And the psychoanalytical project, from because it, it knows the truth already from the outset before doing all the research that it proclaims right. that it's going to do and need re, need funding to be doing. Mm. Uh, yeah, science based. But on before I get into enormous uh, trouble here with my yeah. colleagues within <laughs> yes. the social sciences, yeah. let's move swiftly on to your other question about elitism. What this is, what, what is, is this, this concept yes. of elitism? Yeah. So I found a very good example in. So aristocracy now is an attempt for an aristocracy of the soul, the, per mm. the you know to bring forth um, serious thought and to elicit that really mm. from the nooks and crannies where it is currently hiding. There is lots of academic serious thought happening mm -hmm. within academic institutions. Why isn't it shown? One thing that we want to do with Aristocracy Now is a similar thing to you, which is a podcast or a podcast mm. uh, format, um, which kind of emulates to some extent the academic seminar. And that mm. academic seminar is, for those that don't know, you meet in your department, there's maybe 10 people there, you present work in progress, and you discuss it among friends, yeah. among mm. colleagues. And um, we've done that with topics that we've found particularly interesting, that is saying something about our culture and we would pick a topic trained as we are in ac you know uh, in in rigorous research we'd go off um do our research independently me and my colleague um and then go and talk about it mm. a week later and it's a first attempt that we share and we're both interested in hearing each other's thoughts so we've, we've done that with a few topics one was on content Mm. content of content yeah. uh, that we d touched on earlier another one is the what we think is an interesting development which is camp as a political rhetoric mm. right so you see people like Milo Yiannopoulos being very camp very using all these kind of coy devices like flicking his hair or making sexual innuendo jokes mm. uh, what does this mean um, well it's interesting to start thinking about the three basic rhetorical devices you have logos ethos pathos and that this is often used to get away from the logical reasoning and you use affect feelings yes. pathos to get into something else so that's something that we came up with there that we wouldn't have dreamt up had it not been for trying to think about something that is topical to us yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's sharing that moment of another one was on uh, one of it's called Hunter's Fascination, Putting Observation to Work, which is a small literary analysis of a small passage in the Rome Diary. Another one was, for, we were so into Diantvort, you know, that South yeah, African South rap African rave rap band, band. Uh, when they came out, and then we fall out of absolute favor with them. And we just try to figure out why. 
Yeah. And um, and another topic was why do PhD students hate being asked the questions, what's your PhD about? And that sounds very, <laughs> you know, and that's true. And that's something that is might seem, as you said earlier, myopic. But actually, it turns out to be something that once we thought about it, thought hard about it, thinking hard is tricky business. Um, it's become w- something is that is shared amongst all creative classes. Like if you think about even someone who's written extensively, like J.K. Rowling, mm. she related that once she gets closer to the publication of uh, yet another of her Harry Potter books, mm. she's in, in a state of absolute paranoia. She won't even trust her husband. Mm. And there is something about that, that you keep serious thought to yourself. You, you know, you hold it in your garden of knowledge and you want to protect that moment if you care about it. A bit perfectionist in that sense. Mm. And there is a whole world to be explored about that, which is why we're also interested in producing a TV format called Hidden Smart. We haven't decided, should we call it Hidden Smart or should we call it Talent Incognito. Can we have people calling in and say which one they prefer? Yes, please sure. tweet us at. Yeah. Uh, our or leave it in the comments on YouTube. Yes, yeah. <laughs> or something. Let's make a poll. Uh, so extraordinary people living ordinary lives, but having yeah. these kind of secret talents. Mm. Um, and so it's not just PhD students; it's for writers, it's for artists. Uh, it's that m- kind of moment of not having transparency or confessing or sharing, mm. keeping it to yourself, which is not exactly mm. the society's MO, as you would put right. it. Right, where it's pure, where it's not being... You should share, you should be transparent, you should you know, be right. open about your process. Mm. But something happens when you start doing that with creative work, including yeah. PhD work, but not only. So that sort of stuff comes out mm. of it. And Good. we had one title which was Get Real, Kill All Hipsters and Long Live the Lad. I think we might have had Celebrity Big Bear at some point which is my point that you know 20 years of reality TV hasn't been in vain it has produced a new you know entertainment figure Mm. which couldn't have been made possible without reality TV Mm. you know people have lived their entire careers there Geordie Shore has produced some fantastic comedic material there with Scotty T, Gas, Top Shagger, and uh, and uh, then you know this guy called uh, Bear, mm-hmm. who won a Celebrity Big Brother last year by just being an absolute dick to everyone, mm-hmm. but in a very funny way. Yeah, it's a person that you couldn't invent. It's yeah. just because it's on TV and the intensity of Celebrity Big Brother. I'm talking England here. Nothing right, does. Real. They don't do reality TV better than uh, better than the UK. So it's a new figure that I'm very fascinated. When we talked about, I mean, I'm bored with the hipsters. You know, it's boring, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. But long live the lad. Anyway, so this this is stuff. This to, you know, it's from Bach it's, and you, Goethe you, to Celebrity Big yeah. Brother. You don't seem to like filters. That's that's the thing with you. Like you 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 like the honest rigor of of, of just honest speech, just straightforward. No filters, no uh, no holding back. Basically, that's is that what what's the what the lad is being being a lad is about? I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a lad, but I quite like the lads. Right, exactly. But but it is the same thing with uh, that you said that the upper class has always been fond of the lower class and the same kind of uh, attraction. Yes, I think there is something there to it. So you know, at least when, what's the point if you if, when you're about to die mm. and you don't and. And you lie there and you think, well, I had the chance of just 
pressing onto people my view of the world and my personality, but I didn't take it. I'd yeah. rather be able to say I did take it, and then yeah. you know it went. You know, uh, you know the risk is that you end up with the same fate as Socrates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You die as well. Uh, you're, you're lynched. You're lynched. lynched. Small, right. Into, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, um, I don't, I don't mind. What was it? Someone said, "What, what's your greatest ambition? You want to become immortal, then you want to die." Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good, good quotation. Yeah. yeah. Who does? Who said that? I think it was in a French film called Breathless. Okay. All right. Yeah. There was a, there was a. I can't remember. It's a Godard or something. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Ah, it's a Godard film. That's probably good. Yeah. Uh, Hey, we've been doing this for quite a while. Yeah. Do you want to come yeah. back sometime? Absolutely, anytime. Yes. Uh, I'm happy to come back. Let's go because we uh, we should have gotten into. Ha- is this? Um, have you got enough? Material? Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, w- we didn't really go into the. I think we could have, but uh, we we didn't really get into the the whole era of anti-intellectualism in, in modern society and the development mm-hmm. development developments in that but we can probably get into it next time sounds yeah. super interesting i'd love to come back right. and talk about anything really anything. I, I, I love talking tinder to or something let's talk about tinder <laughs> <next time laughs> let's well. talk yeah. about that it, it's not like it hasn't been covered enough no uh, <laughs> right. but uh yeah that's uh thank you thank you so much for having me i've really had a good yeah. good morning it was great really great yeah yeah it's it's one o'clock now, so so let's go and have some Nepalese. Right. <laughs> so, right. All right. Thank you. Thanks so Thank much, you. guys. Bye. Bye. Hey there, I'm happy you've tuned in to another episode of the Spillover Podcast. This is the Spillover Podcast, and my name is Isak Arautio, your host for this. I sound like a strip club DJ right now. Oh, oh this is the Spillover Podcast. God damn it, fucking Christ. What